This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, with my co-host and mother, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, uh, how are things out there in New York? I'm in California. They're good. Uh, Winter is definitely here, finally. We've had a very mild, very mild fall, and today it's in the high 30s, so I think winter is here. You know, we're going to have a a really interesting guest today because she has a lot of similarities with us because she lost a 15-year-old daughter in an automobile accident, and Scott was 17. And she is going to talk a little bit today about living in a wellness universe. She's had a husband who's had a stroke, and uh, she's still a man. She's upbeat, and uh, she's going to really give us some ideas and thoughts about things that we can do. Right, Hyde? Absolutely, Mom. Like you said, our guest today has a lot in common with us. She is all about collaboration and bringing together those of us who have had adversity in our lives and finding hope again. And she is, she not only talks the talk, but she walks the walk. And we're going to be talking with her about living in a wellness universe. Yeah, so do you want to introduce Linda, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. Linda, Sh- Linda Sheldon Fell is the, create- is the creator of Grief Diaries, brand of books, webinars, radio, and film, executive director of the National Grief and Hope Convention, and president of the newly formed National Grief and Hope Coalition. Chosen as this year's inspirational speaker for Camp Fire Organization, she received a standing ovation to her speech on overcoming loss. Welcome to the show, Linda. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's honored to be here. So it's great to have you. Now, are you in Bellingham, Washington? I am, actually. Huh? <laughs> Most people don't know where that is. It's north of Seattle. And, uh-huh. uh, but much like you ladies, I do a fair bit of traveling. So, uh, But Bellingham is home base. Now, you were kind of in the TV and radio world before your daughter was killed, right? No, actually. Oh, you, you weren't. Know, I, I thought you were. No. Uh, you know, there's silver linings in everything. And one of my own silver linings from our own tragedy is that it's created this whole new life for me mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have had prior to our loss. And it's been one that has personally enriched my own life beyond measure. And so, no, since losing Allie in 2009, my world is very, very different than what it was prior. And, you know, it's it's such a a bittersweet. uh, It's a blessing. There's many things that, uh, you know, that have come from it that wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, but it's still for any loss, you know, you would give it all back again just for five minutes with your loved one, you know. It, right. it's, it's such a catch-22. Um, but no, I, I this is a whole different world for me in the past six years. Ah, well, you are so lovely, and uh, I understand you did a, radio, oh, a wonderful radio you. show. And uh, talk uh, talk a little bit about your grief journey. Uh, how did Allie die? She died in an automobile accident. Was it sudden, or was it? It, it was, and you know, she's uh, our third out of four children, and she was built a little bit differently. Uh, she was a competitive athlete from a very young age, 
and a 4.0 student, and she had set her sights by the time she was in seventh grade on attending Stanford and making it to the Olympics. Wow. And she was well on her way, and by the time she, she practiced year-round, she was a USA sanctioned swimmer and a, wow. a senior swimmer, and uh, she started out being a, a, a gymnast, and by age nine, she was state beam champ, and then she suffered this terrible, terrible fall off the, uh, the uneven bars and broke her arm in three spots, dislocated it in two spots, and, and so it was going to take three years to fully heal, and she was rehabbing her arm and watching the Olympics on TV that summer, and she saw swimming, and she said, Mama, that's that's what I want to do. And I thought, swimming? Ugh. She didn't really even know how to swim. It, long story short, I took her to a, a local team, and the coach said, this is an athlete. I'll take her. And within a couple <laughs> of years, she was setting records, and a freshman in high school, she broke three records and made it to state. And uh, was I uh, really? Um, she was very goals, you know, driven and and uh, just very dedicated. And and it was really, you know, we just tried to keep up with her. And uh, so she was at the the pool at five a.m. every morning for two hours. Go to school. Go back to the pool for two hours. And uh, and and so one August, when the U.S. Open was being held in Seattle. Her coach told her, I want you to go watch Michael Phelps. This is a qualifying meet, and I want you to go. This is good training for you. And so the kids got up, just a handful of the senior swimmers, they got up that morning to uh, practice, of course, and then off they went. And I didn't, Allie and I were inseparable. You know, I, I volunteered at all the meets, and I served on the board, and it was a large swim team, and uh, we had a board meeting that afternoon, so I did not go. And it was the one time that I wasn't with her. And they had been up 18 hours. They were on the last leg home, dropped off a few kids, and it was dark. The driver didn't know the road, and he missed a stop sign. And their car was T-boned by a father coming home from work in his work truck. And he hit right where Allie was. And she died instantly. And uh, she was the only fatality. And the driver is a lovely, lovely now young man. And uh, he was just entering his senior year of high school. And we held them very close to our family because we knew a lot of people would probably, you know, teenage driver, throw them under the bus, that kind of thing. And he did nothing wrong. Uh, It was just dark and late and, you know, just great kid, great kid. And uh, so we faced what everyone considers, you know, a parent's worst nightmare. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting about grief because it's not like you learn about grief in school. It's not like you get immunized against grief. It's something you really don't have much interaction with until you are on your own very first baby steps of your own journey. And so that is when my life turned a completely well, different direction. I've got to say something about Allie. This is a kid that sounds like she lived such a full life in 15 years. 
and she was did. so internally <laughs> driven. I mean, most kids aren't like this and just almost no. lived it to the, the fullest at uh, 300%. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, out of the four kids, she was the only one like that. And mm-hmm. our oldest was a cheerleader, classic cheerleader. Uh, next one was in baseball, the youngest is musician and in physics. So all of our kids, we believe in supporting our children, their individual dreams. And as hard as that can be in terms of driving your children around and such, you know, every child is unique. Right. And it's our job to support their endeavors. And Allie was no exception. Mm-hmm. And you know, many mornings, my husband would say, oh, Pooh Bear, please, can I sleep in? No, mm-hmm. Daddy. <laughs> I have to go to practice. It reminds me of my brother, actually. I've got to tell you. He was a right? superstar, an absolute superstar yep. in athletics. Yep. He would, yep. you know, he was the varsity quarterback for the the football team. He was the varsity catcher for the baseball team. He was most valuable yep. player over and over. He was the, over the over. team captain. I mean, he was a complete leader. In, in the circles yep. he ran in. And, and it well, was Linda, all intrinsically well, driven. So, Yeah, one of yeah, the things that I, I'm, I'm thinking of when I hear this story, Heidi, and I think it's really interesting, is that Scott's cousin was driving the car when he was killed, and it was rainy, and they hit a, a bridge, and the car blew up, and they burned to death. And what strikes me about this is I, you know, didn't was not happy with the driver because I think it was careless driving and young driving and you know that kind of thing. But he died with Scott. I am impressed with your level of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And Heidi and I do a lot of presenting, and we meet a lot of angry people who are very angry at the people who were driving the car. And the thing about it is that it is such an impediment for those people over the years. We meet people that are it angry. Is. You know, ten yeah. years later, and and their anger is is blocking them. Wouldn't you say, Heidi? Right. Yes, and I'm also thinking about families. I mean, when you're angry at the driver, you're punishing their them and their whole family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know what's interesting about that is, you know, when the accident happened, the driver, his name's Donovan. And he and Allie, Allie just really greatly admired him. He was three years older. He was a leader. He and Allie were the two butterfly strokers, uh, powerhouses. And when the accident happened, I just in my shock and my fog, I instinctively knew that people would be throwing him under the bus. Mm-hmm. And so our whole family, you know, the mother is often the one in the family to set the tone. Yeah, And I set that tone and my children and, you know, there, there was people ask me, well, how did you forgive Donovan? There was no need to forgive him. There was no forgiveness needed. He now, did your husband feel to. that way? Because my husband was a little more angry with the driver than I was. No, my husband and I both, uh, we've always been very, very similar in our thinking and in our hearts. And from mm-hmm. that very moment. We just and and what's really cool about this is that, in, you know, for a good ten days, two weeks after the accident, our house became ground zero for the, you know the swim team was 150 swimmers strong. You add in all their family members, and then mm-hmm. Allie's you know high school friends, and it goes on and on. Our house the out in the summertime, so the 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 front patio uh, was just filled with people all the time. And Donovan's parents and 
his grandmother, they all, his grandmother from Reno, they flew up here, of course. And she was sitting next to me out on the front patio at one point. And I, I have very few memories from this time, as shock does to you. But yes, she reached sure. over and patted my leg, and she looked me in the eye, and she said, thank you. And what I learned was that her father, so this goes back a, a, a you know, couple generations, her father, when he was 17, he killed somebody. He was a driver, oh and gosh. the town absolutely ostracized him. He was raked over the coals, and the family was shunned from thereafter. And I didn't know that, of course until she she thanked me, and it came from the heart, and I could see it in her eyes. And that really touched a nerve in me on, oh, my gosh, you know, through our own accident and our love for Donovan, not, you know, this poor boy was at the will. I mean, he has to live with this as a life sentence as much as us. But, but in a way, and, you haven't given him a life sentence. You've given him uh, an understanding, which I love. Now, tell me what... Um, you talk about some ways of offering hope to the bereaved. What, what do you think the bereaved need in early grief? What did you need in that first year? Well, what I needed is what I received, and that is a, another reason why I'm on this path to offer comfort, company, and hope to others. It's because I was gifted with so much support and love from not only my family, but my community. And from so many people, and I, I discovered very early on in my own journey that many bereaved people do not have that same level of support. And that really touched me, and I vowed to make a difference just right with that. I, I didn't know how. I didn't know what way I would even begin for. I needed to walk my own journey for quite a while first. And uh, But that's, that's, that was a pivotal moment for me because... Many people don't have that support. And so I decided, you know, I was going to go find those people that didn't have support. Many people are not validated in their grief. And in my mind, that's the very first step toward healing is being validated. And so I found myself becoming a voice for the bereaved. And it wasn't intentionally at first, but it grew. And mm-hmm. I decided to start a radio show. To let, let's, let's talk about it. And, you know, people could openly share and be candid about their journey. And it wasn't a place to, you know, wallow in self-pity. It wasn't a, a place to just sit and complain. It was just a, offering them that moment of validation. Yeah, this sucks. So where do mm-hmm. we go from here? And that's how I started. And, you know, now to give people hope one of the one of the the ways, and of course, um, you know this this is true for all of us. But it's in our own actions, and mm-hmm. I've heard it said before that the brief parent is the worst of the lot. Now, whether that's true or not, I can't say. I've not I've not faced some of the other losses out there. But if well, you I face one loss so, having your husband have a stroke and a serious. That, that, Major stroke, and how many years was that after you, after Allie died? 
less than three years. Wow. And yeah. that put me on a path. Do you think his stroke was I... related to her death at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, talk about that because I, would... I try to tell people they need to take care of themselves physically because uh, loss can can be detrimental to your health. Well, you know, I realized early in on my own journey within just a couple of months that I was starting to get ill frequently. And, you know, when you are facing profound loss, your body's in that perpetual fight or flight syndrome and your adrenaline's going constantly. And that's very hard on your system and it compromises your own immunity. And to practice, you know, good sleep hygiene, uh, healthful eating, and I know it's easier said than done. But it's very important because if you physically feel better, your coping skills are stronger. And that's really, really important. That's really important. And, and you know, one of the other things um, with regards to offering people hope, you know, I think it's really important for people to spend a few minutes every day just thinking compassionate thoughts about themselves. Mm, I like that. And... That that's really huge because we get caught up in caring for our spouse and our children and and everyone is at the top of the list ahead of ourselves. But it's really important to take care of ourselves because again, when we do that, our coping gets stronger and we're able to handle and process what we're going through. Yes. So yeah. Talk a little bit okay. uh, before we end the show about your books and and what you're doing right now. And your, um, I know you had a uh, conference. Would you plan to have another one? And where people can find you and what they would you would like uh, people to know. I thank you. Uh, you know, right now, I I'm a big fan of people sharing their stories about their journeys because when you share stories, it offers company to others in need, and it also helps you to feel not so alone, which is really important, and it helps you to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one going through this, and I'm not crazy after all, and, you know, these thoughts are normal, and so I developed a series of books, and the first 10 titles are coming out here in just a couple weeks, December 15th, and each one is an anthology book about different kinds of losses. And it's really interesting because I've now for this group of books, it's 108 participants in six countries, and it started this whole other group of books that will be starting in January. You know, there's other kinds of losses that I hadn't considered. And so it's really cool. It just, this, this whole Grief Diaries just keeps growing and growing, and it's become a really beautiful little village of people who just want to share stories and reach out and comfort one another. And so people can find more information about Grief Diaries by going to the website griefdiaries.com, and to participate in future books, click on the uh, Join Our Book Project link, and it'll take you to the page. It explains it a little bit more, what titles we're opening up, what books are coming out in December, and uh, yeah, and, and so for Are, the, are you these know, books people... coming out in uh, e-books or hard, hard copy, or where will people find them? 
They will be available everywhere. Uh, Alley Blue Media will be publishing all of them, and so they'll be Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, you know, bookstores. Uh, for your local bookstores, the smaller ones, you know, the, those mom and pop bookstores depends upon the shelf space whether they carry it or not, but it will be available mm-hmm. across the board, and it will also be available digitally for for people to download on their Kindle and and their devices as well. So. Great, wonderful. And then uh, you said you're not having any. Uh, you, well, what about the National Grief and Hope Coalition? People want to get involved in that. I yes, the National Grief and Hope Coalition is a brand new national nonprofit that will be fostering fellowship among all the organizations that serve the bereaved, as well as other uh, projects contained within that, one of which will be the National Grief and Hope Convention, which we hosted earlier this year, and the coalition will take over. And to learn more about that, they can go to helphealhope.org. And the website is in its infancy, and we're just getting going with it, but we look forward to developing some really cool programs, uh, you know, across the nation through it, and uh, people can get more information by going to helphealhope.org. Awesome. Well, Linda, thanks so much for being on the show today. I just uh, think it's wonderful that you're what you're doing in LA's name so and uh, best wishes to all, everything you're doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it very much. It's it's and thank you for having me on the show. You know, it's, uh, Open to Hope is a wonderful, wonderful resource. It's been around a long time, and um, so it's pretty cool to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Linda, and thank you so much also for for validating people's grief and being a voice for the bereaved. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, we're all in it together, and there's comfort, uh, you know, when you know that there's people on the same path. They might be ahead of you. They might be behind you. uh, But there's comfort knowing that we're never truly alone in this journey. Well, Heidi, uh, thanks again for being on the show, Linda. Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, very interesting show. And, wow, Linda's really busy, isn't she? She is, and like you said, there is comfort in knowing that you're not alone in this journey, like we always say, Mom. If you've lost hope, lean on ours. And I think that's what this is all about, coming together to heal as a community and as a collective and leaning on people that are further along in their journey. Absolutely. And we want to thank everybody for listening to our show. And uh, we want to, again, as Heidi said, remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own and visit us to, at opentohope.com. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.